welcome to Sullivan Street, the uh, first episode of the uh, new Counting Crows podcast. I'm your host, Eric Vogelsang, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris Miggs. So, and I guess one question to start it off for both of us, uh, why why now? Uh, why did we decide to do this uh, podcast, uh, Counting Crows, as, as I guess from my standpoint, I mean, first of all, podcasts are more and more popular. I didn't see a Counting Crows podcast except for Adam's Underwater Sunshine, in, uh, which we can talk about at some point, but he doesn't usually talk about the Crows too much. It's about more of his love and for music and 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 uh, et cetera. But it's good uh, to be here. It's great. Yeah. To, and and well, and and also the answer, I think the answer really is why not, right? Isn't it always hasn't it always been fun to talk about Canon Crows? Aren't they the most fun band? One of the most fun bands to, to talk about, and especially if you're a Crows fan. <laughs> yeah, and uh, right, and they've been 30 years, right? And so, and so in some ways, I don't want to say perfect time, but but they're but they're at the point of their career where you can look at them retrospectively and talk about the career as a whole. And a lot of us have our either youth tied to them or 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 part of our history, emotional history, et cetera. But also they're not done yet, right? They're still around. They're still touring. And we hope release new music. And uh so yeah, I th- I think I think it is a perfect time. And any other uh before I introduce you more, any other comments about having the podcast? Well no, they're about to go we talked about they're about to go on a three month tour. So while we're this is we're recording this, I don't know when you'll be listening to this, but we're recording this before that happens. But we'll be talking about that and there'll be new things and we'll be seeing what they're playing and hopefully new versions of things and interesting Stuff to discuss coming out of them being on the road for, I think, the, certainly the longest time they've been on the road since the pandemic and probably probably even a little bit before that. Yeah, the idea for the podcast right now is to release a episode every, let's just say, three to four weeks. That's the current plan. We'll, we'll, we'll go from that and uh, hope to get people involved. I know, you know, so kind of cross Social media, from what I understand, I'm just getting back into social media a little bit. I basically have been off social media uh, for like a decade, but uh, I'm I'm back on Reddit on the Crows uh, Reddit. But uh, the Crows social media, from what I understand, Facebook groups, etc., are still you know fairly active, and that's how people connect with each other. And and we we think this is just another way to get the community involved. And and we'll mention sometime later that we do want people to join us on occasion, even if it's a one time or if you're a heavily active member or just have particular comments about a certain part of Counting Crows, which we'll get into later. But okay, so so let's introduce ourselves. I guess this is the episode to do this. Uh, this episode one is called, of course, Step Out the Front Door because we're starting the podcast. And I think it's the first line, I guess, of around here, which was the track one of their first album. So my name's Eric Vogelsang. My just brief background, uh, well, I guess as far as I'll just mention only the part about you know podcasting radio. This is my first podcast I've hosted. I did do radio work uh, about, uh, I guess, about 15 years ago for th- about four, four years or so, four or five years, primarily worked in news radio as reporting and hosting the news. And uh, Chris, what about you? I am. Uh, I, I don't. I don't claim professional bona fides. Although I did work on my college radio station and played uh, a good bit of Counting Crows back in the day. WHRC Haverford College Radio, which probably still does not exist in this point. No one listens. Barely anyone listened in the early two thousands. I'm not sure if anyone listens now. <laughs> and you can also find me talking 
across the web uh, on, on predetermined to pro wrestling hangout and other podcasts from time to time. But yes, Eric, Eric I'm, I'm curious, how did you get into Counting Crows? Thank you. Yeah, I was going to kick off. And it is funny you said that about the college radio because you're right. I sometimes think, especially when you listen to August, it has that 90s sound. I think more than the other other albums do. There's a, something about that album that kind of screams that 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 era. And I was thinking, because you're right, I was on College Radio too and played a little bit of that. And some other bands remind me uh, of that sound. Of course, a lot of those bands didn't last more than one album. Or, right. have, and my obsession has lasted for decades. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean that's interesting because well, and we'll derail a little bit. It was a podcast. We can do this. It's interesting because to me that radio is meant that album is meant to be a college radio album. Like yes. that was the goal. It was that was the the height was supposed to be we'll get played on college radio and have enough people listen that we can go on tour and of course end up being sold ten million records. <laughs> it's massive. <laughs> but it's interesting to me that that's I think still part of the DNA of the band and kind of has always been part of the DNA of the band is the kind of people who and actually it's interesting. There's a a long time ago there was. A, a quote-unquote study. I put that in air quotation marks that no one can see if they're not what, looking at video about how like smart people like like what what music makes you smart. And realistically, when you actually look at the study, it's it's actually going the other way. It's like what music do people who went to colleges with high average SAT scores listen to, mm. which is proof of basically nothing. But interestingly. Counting Crows were were up there, right? The people who like went to, you know, wanted to hang out and like talk about books also wanted to talk about listen to Counting Crows and go to those shows, which is not the That's, most surprising thing to me. It's very interesting. I know Adam would like that, I think. So yes, you you asked me about uh, I guess how I became yeah. a fan is that or kind of yeah. indirectly? Well, how'd you get how'd you get into how'd you get into it? Yeah, and I'm going to ask you the same, of course. That I that and I said anybody that joined us, I'll ask them you know similar questions, which mm-hmm. is why you know what brought you to the crows, what keeps you coming back, why do you think they're special, et cetera, et cetera. And if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you feel that way. Yeah, you know what? It, it, it's I was thinking about this, and I was in college at the time, and now I'm not. I, I, you know, I forget when, when, how, how the timing worked between like Mr. Jones being released and the album. And, and uh, that's something I'll, I'll, I'll check on, but yeah, I just, I do remember a lot of, I don't want to say I was one of the first people to buy the albums. Cause I remember that there were a couple friends and I think even my old roommate had the August album before me. I remember seeing it and Mr. Jones of course was on the radio, but it was, and, and I said, Oh, this is a great song. Like there are a lot of great songs at the time. But just mm-hmm. more and more, I, I I guess I just thought I said this Mr. Jones song is unbelievably good, and and, and I didn't get sick of it, <laughs> no matter yeah. how much it, no matter how much it was played. And I I liked the video, and then then they released another album, you know, single around here, which I liked. I didn't love as much as Mr. Jones, and then I guess Rain King was kind of an unofficial single too. They didn't have a video for that, so I just bought the you know I bought the album like I was buying a lot of them on tape. While I was driving around my hometown and sometimes in my dorm room, I did I have a CD? I was either right about to get a CD player or, but for whatever reason, I think I had the tape first for, for August. And I just listened to that album and I was like, 
every song is unbelievably good. And and out of my top 10 albums at the time, I just kept going back. With, and, and the lyrics I thought were unbelievable. And, and I, I, you know, just one of the things sometimes you don't know how or why it hits you. Uh, and it did. And then I had a friend that we bonded over it, usually after a few drinks. And uh, so so I, I guess I just want to say that's how I started. Uh, what about you? See, I took a, I think I took a more winding road to it because obviously I heard, you know, Mr. Jones and Round Here and I, I liked them, I guess, fine. I liked I got a little more hooked with Long December and Daylight Fading. The first record of theirs that I actually bought was Recovering the Satellites in I'm not even sure if I bought it. It might have been a Christmas present, but in you know during that time period but even then it was sort of slower and built and someone i remember someone gave me this desert life loved colorblind because cruel intentions great film great film especially if you're (laughs) a teenager at the time very exciting movie but even then like again bits and pieces like the band like liked them didn't end up buying august and everything after until i got when i was a, a freshman in college i spent a lot of time at a used music store in the town and I bought that record because I was trying to go back and was like, Oh, I know I, there are these records that I know that I liked that I never owned for whatever reason. Cause I was maybe too mm. young and I wasn't buying quite as many records at that stage. And so I went back and I, again, I bought a bunch of things. I bought, uh, I bought throwing copper from live. Yes. I bought, love that. <laughs> I bought, love that I, album. I bought, I bought, uh, I bought bad out of hell, which I love. I mean, love a little older, yeah. obviously, but, <laughs> And I bought, but I bu- I bought Dookie. I don't think I'd ever had do- owned Dookie, oh. and I finally bought it as you know many years after the fact. But I also I bought August and everything after, and that started sinking me deeper. But I really think what ended up kind of hooking me, like like fully kind of sinking in, was you know it's this this was the time period of you know LimeWire. It was a little past Napster, but like LimeWire and all those other things. And I think hearing the across a wire version of Mister hmm. Jones was really kind of what got me that made me go, well, oh, wait a minute. I've heard this song. I like this song, but now I've heard this version and now I love this song. Now this is deep and interesting and it's got this different, why, why is this beginning different? Why is the ending a whole other different thing? And this other ending is really cool. And that really kind of makes me think about stuff. And, and, and really that kind of time period that going back and getting that along with like hard candy coming out weirdly enough, which is not, is, not super high on my list of favorite records anymore, but just sort of that time period. It was an excuse to go listen to them more. Um, and then I sort of kind of got all the way in and around, I guess I'd say 2002, 2003 and never, never looked back, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. You said that because we can talk about this and, and we'll have a future episode about across the wire, but I, I can't, and maybe there was music released in the seventies, eighties or sixties or something that had this, but I, I cannot for the life of me think of a band that released an album shortly after, right? At that point, they only had two releases, right? After right. Across the Wire. So, so where basically every song or almost every song on that Across the Wire acoustic was different, but still amazing. And, and you're right. It showed me something with, how they were different than other bands music uh, musically or how they approached live music in, in addition to separating that from the lyrics and their prior albums. You're right. 
that, that was a, that was a big part of me. You know, one thing I was thinking about with hmm. w- with obsessions that I have is that I guess it's kind of like friendships you have or relationships. Mm, yes, I that album was probably I'm guessing my favorite album of that year or whatever. And then I was working actually at I don't know if you remember Circuit City, kind of like a Best no, Buy when Recovering the Satellites came out, and I saw like mm-hmm. a poster for it, and I'm buying that. But 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 with a lot of obsessions, it's that it grows over time. Like, I, I guess consistency is something that means a lot to me where mm-hmm. like, wow, that first album is amazing. That second album is different and amazing. The third album is different. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wow, this keeps going. And then, and then I build up that kind of obsessive. I've done that with movie series. I'm trying to think of a, of a good one, but even like, I don't know the mission impossible series, for example, I like it kind of partly because it's a series that generally I thought had pretty good quality. So then I kind of build this loyalty, no matter, you know, separate that from one particular movie being amazing or whatever. Yeah, and especially some bands where you you hear that great first record and then, you know, it kind of tails off a little bit. You know, there's there's something that's – you're like, oh, I, I like that record and some songs later and, you know, that intensity kind of wanes. Uh, yeah. When I was younger, actually, I was like, well, I, I try not to go see a band on their first record because I want to, you know, more. And it's like, actually, no, actually, if you love that first record, you should probably just go see them play it. I learned that lesson a couple, a couple of bands. I was like, no. Because now they're playing new stuff, and I actually don't like this as much. And I really like the old stuff, and I'm disappointed they're not playing <laughs> the old stuff. So, did you did you ever have did you ever have people that write? They say like you ask them what their favorite band is or favorite artist, and mm-hmm. they mention like someone who just has either one single or their first album. And I, and I, and sometimes I want to say, no, I'm not saying what are you listening to right now. I'm saying like what is your favorite all time. But some people can't separate that. Yeah, yeah. so that, that that's so interesting what so oh and we'll talk about this in a future podcast but do you have either any friends or family or relationships that share the passion part not just like them casually or do some people either you know almost laugh at you the fact that you love crows so much etc well when you tell i think there are people in this world when you tell any that you've, they've seen any band like more than 50 times people will go like <laughs> that's weird and it's like no that's actually normal if you're a, a, the right kind of person to me i know lots right, of people or, or go by yourself maybe that some people don't like going to concerts by themselves but i would oh, yeah. by myself all the time if i could i would have got i, I would have gone to more shows by myself when i was younger if we had smartphones it's just because it got boring between sets sometimes you know what, I mean? oh, right. like, what do you do yep. now now you're like now people are like i don't know what i'll do if i go to a concert alone and it's like you've got a phone in your pocket to entertain you for that 20 minutes if you don't make a friend it'll you'll be okay you will be okay and and when the music is playing, you don't need to talk to anyone about it, right? It, you can talk to them later, and you should be listening and not talking. And I think we all agree on that at a show. <laughs> no, that, that 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 no, that's that's great. And um, oh, before right before I get into one other question, which yeah. is about concerts, actually, I did want to say one other thing about my obsession with crows. Because I, I guess it seems obvious because I think anybody who's obsessed with the crows, part of it is of course Adam's lyrics, right? Yeah. And and he has this one of the genius parts of his lyrics is that he mentions things that are very specific but also somehow universal. And I don't know many artists that can pull that off. That it seems like he's telling a story that just about a specific time and not only could they be universal to other people but also universal in time in some ways, right? And and one thing that I'll never, and, and I'm not Adam's age. I think I'm about 10 years younger. I checked that out. But 
it just there are certain and I guess we all feel this way, but, but, you know, certain albums, like when they released, I remember even the Saturday night, Sunday mornings that we'll talk about that album in the future. But I think he admitted later that he was, that's kind of when he was going through his mental health challenges, Mm. whatever want to call it, nervous breakdown, this kind of admitting these challenges. And that's also when I was feeling the exact same thing. Now, whether that's me thinking that or just time of life, or again, I was kind of overseas, but that 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 kind of, he, I guess he's feeling like both grandiosity and like a Superman, and at the same time going through depression and everything's breaking apart. That's exactly what I was going through when that album was, re- and it just kept happening over and over. Uh, so th- that's one of the reasons I love too, and I'm sure lyrics are one thing that has brought you back over and over oh for sure and we'll get very deep into those i'm sure at some point in some of the songs but yeah i mean that sense of that like i think there we all kind of love people musicians again if you're if you're someone who loves lyrics it's someone who feels like a bit of an older brother right or a wise sage oh i never thought about that something they've gone through something and they're kind of giving you advice about it in a certain way you know, he's obviously out. Adam's a little bit older than me, but uh, yeah, but again, that's maybe a good he's, take. That maybe is a he's good my take. younger uncle. I don't know in that case, but in yeah. the same idea that like that they're that level of logic of, of they've seen it through and you're going, OK, that's how I can look at this in a way and interpret my own experience. You know, yep. yeah, that's right. And of course, it, it goes without saying we already implied that we think the musicianship is amazing. The fact that. A lot of the band has been there from the beginning and they all contribute things. And the fact that the band is like a team, right? Of course, they've, you know, a couple members have come and left, but there hasn't been major disharmony and fights that has affected so many other uh, great bands throughout time. And and I think and I think that's uh, been a big net positive. I always like Adam's quote about the um, about why he's like people like, should I do it? You are you going to do a solo album? He's like, why would I do that? I've got this team of people who support me in building this vision. So I, what, what do I need to go solo for? I, this is, this is my, these are my guys, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And he says it, and and, and it's so, yes. And it's so honest when he says that, of course, you know, Adam, as you, you had to be in his day, you have to have a bit of an ego and confidence and think, Hey, I could write a solo album if I want. But when he, what is it? When they play start again in the concert, Mm. And he mentions that I love the song. It's we do it a lot in warm uh, dress rehearsal. We uh, we do it a lot, in the, and it's like I just love playing with my friends. This is this is fun, and and, and they obviously are on the same page. And, and I'm not an expert on this, but when they do their kind of uh, Im- I- improvising, uh, particularly in some of their earlier concerts, that a lot of that was just being on the same page right that you wouldn't mm-hmm. have necessarily with other musicians so yeah hearing something and just yeah knowing each other well enough to know and follow each other and, and sort of take that that journey together yeah it's interesting. i want the you talked about it. i would again digress a little bit but the one thing i want to say about people in my in your life who love this oh yes yes when i met my wife she was a accounting crows fan not quite as big as i was um and i was going through a very big counting crows kick at the time i felt like it was one of their last I think real peaks as a touring act in, in sort of the early 2010s. And uh, I was listening to those shows and a lot of the older ones too. And then somewhere a few years into our relationship, uh, I think I burnt my wife out. I think she's, <laughs> that is I think it's my fault. I think she would like counting crows more now if she didn't know me. <laughs> you, might, you know, my she, friend, she and, I'm gonna... peak, and then she was like, yeah, sorry. 
my best friend no from high school who was the biggest crows fan with me he actually made a comment recently which is not true now part of this is somewhat true because of my age and the fact i listen to more podcasts now than 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 i used to which which of course mm-hmm. takes away the music time but i was talking about crow and he was like do you listen to anything other than counting crows which i do but almost he was kind of making a similar comment right <laughs> that that in some ways maybe i've even burned him out through the years no that that's so good yeah i no i think yeah i had some college friends. i do still have some friends in fact when crow's note news comes out i want to say there's maybe eight people that are friends of mine who i know like the crows and when i say like the crows i guess most of them now i don't even know if they go to the shows maybe every couple of years but they will buy all of the the new releases that come mm. out. So, so I do have, I guess, yeah, like maybe eight friends that certainly if I send something, Hey, the butter miracles coming out, they'll all buy, including my sister. Um, so, so that's fantastic. So maybe one thing now, again, we're, when we get to the, maybe in about 10 minutes or so, or 15 minutes, we'll talk about the, the, the future plans of the podcast, what we plan to do on a regular basis. And when we do those future plans, for example, when we talk about live shows, we're going to talk about, of course, our memories of live some of the live shows we've done. But just in the sake, for the sake of today's first episode uh, and having another bit of Q and A, we can preview that a little bit by maybe talking about uh, briefly about your first concert you attended and maybe one or two memories of that. And then maybe even your most recent concert you attended and one or two memories of that. Sure. Sure. My first one is at Jones beach, 2003, August 26th. I think they played two nights there. I think it was the 26th. I had terrible tickets, really, really terrible tickets, but Jones beach is actually kind of a decent place to have terrible tickets because Jones beach, uh, it's really right on the water on the beach in Long Island. It of course comes up in uh, that specific space comes up in hard candy, right? The evenings on Long Island when the summer starts to fade. Oh, right. Yeah. About seeing him seeing a show at Jones beach with his then girlfriend. I think it's a Neil Young show. So, but it's a kind of an okay place to have terrible tickets because if you know, if you're close, you can see the band. So not without a bad thing to have close tickets, but you can kind of see the water and kind of get that whole thing. And uh, I remember they opened with Rain King, which is one of my all-time favorite songs. And we'll, we'll oh, wow. talk about that song yeah. sure in great detail over the <laughs> many episodes. And they went into Raining in Baltimore and came back. And actually, the friend of mine next to me, he's also a Counting Crows fan, but not maybe not quite the levels I was, but said to me, he said, uh, wait a minute, we're still in Rain King? I was like, yeah, isn't it great? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But yeah, and I just remember that night. I mean, it's a, it's a good show. I mean, I look back at 2003 and I go, "Those that's a a good year for the band, but not a great year. But of course it's my first show. And so there's a lot of memories of, of th- those versions of the songs in particular, right? The slower version of, of rain King that they were playing and a few other things that, at that time. Also the first time that that weekend was the first time they played Washington square. Oh, they played it in the encore. Cause he was feeling, he just, he just moved to New York and that song's about sort of New York and, which was kind of cool. That was part of, that was part of the, like that maybe they're going to play a song that you've never heard before. I always appreciate a band that does. That. I know that again, that there are people who hate that, but I love, you know, Hey, what's, what's going to happen. Hey, we've got a couple of new ones for you. It's like, Oh, maybe, maybe this is going to be my favorite song. And I'm going to be able to tell the story about being the first person or one of the first people to hear it. 
No, that, that's right. And I, I'll just say, I, I felt that way about um, Miami. I, I was hmm. able to hear Miami before it was released. And my friend that I was talking about, my high school friend, looked at each other. And especially, that's a pretty darn good live song. And and uh, because of the crescendo of the energy and everything. And we looked at each other and we're like, that song's going to be special, right? And, and But you're right. I guess I'll, I always think, oh, I heard it before it was released. So, yeah. Yeah. that's. A, I always think that's an interesting song, too, because it's one of the if you, like they've got two versions of that song right and i think their their best songs live are the ones where they've got they've got the the rock and roll version but they've also got that acoustic version that right. i actually i wish they would use more they use it for a, a a lot in like 2008 2009 and not much recently you're right not much yeah and i i think ah oh, man I, I that's one of the that's one of the things i love about that song is you can kind of go there's a really beautiful performance from like a like a Colorado radio station around the time when Hard Candy was released. Mm. That is heart like devastating. Like that's and again, what I love about that song, you, you kind of go both. You can get the devastating sort of pathos of the lyrics, but also this big sort of celebratory. I'm I'm making there is there's sadness in these things, but I'm also making a meal out of it, and I'm going to go have fun with my friends in New Orleans, and it's going to be okay, and we're all going to be okay together. <laughs> so yeah, it's a such a great song. My most recent Crows experience was last summer at at the Paramount Theater in Long Island. A good show. Played a couple interesting things in there. The other one, actually, the, the, I saw them twice that week. And uh, the week before that that week, and I, I up at, at the second time I saw it was at the Capitol Theater. And uh, they played, we talked about more, but they played one of my white whales. They played Speedway. They opened with Speedway, which is a song I'd been trying mm. to hear them play for 10 years in a row oh that, that's yeah it's great and well that's funny you said that because i actually got one of my uh white whales recently too and i even mentioned this on the uh the reddit recently Some, someone said something but but that's that's interesting you told me before but i had forgotten your first show was 2003 because despite me being a fan since the quote-unquote beginning I did not see them. So most of my shows that I saw were between, I think, 02 and 05 and to this day, because that was just, again, it had to do with like, was I in the country at the time? I I was Mm -hmm. out of the country a lot. Did I have any money to discretionary funds? A lot of times, no. Did I have a car to get to places? A lot of times, no. Uh, But I did have those things between 02 and 05. And I did miss one. (laughs) I will say I missed one. The one I've seen a lot of great shows. I have very few regrets. I did not have a car in 2007. I was trying to convince someone, anyone to go with me um, to see them in Lakewood, New Jersey, kind of deep oh. into Jersey. I looked, yeah. there's like no public transportation, had a ticket, just could not, like could not get there. And that night, unexpectedly, they played August and everything after straight through. Oh, oh wow. And I remember <laughs> looking at the set list next day and going, <sighs> oh no, <laughs> why couldn't I get there? And then, uh, of course, I did get to see them play it all the way through at Town Hall a few weeks later. But then, uh, well, thankfully, <laughs> I feel like I feel like that eased the regret. Was sort of like I've gotten a lucky yeah. a couple times in my life as a, as a concert going fan of being like of getting not quite as good as the like oh my god I can't believe this is happening version, but it's still cool when it it does happen later. But yeah, that and and actually that's I think that part of it the disappointment of missing that kicked off seeing me seeing mm. them just a ton of times over the next couple of years just because i was just like i don't shit i don't know what's gonna happen i gotta keep going 
Even no, if the last one wasn't as good, who knows what's going to happen at the next one? You know, it's it's funny. I think I've even heard Adam interviewed uh, in, in in the past to say something that you just brought up. Like when we have regrets, like sometimes we try to you know compensate you know about it for years, right? And that's what kind of you you did with that concert. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. good though. It was a good it was good compensation though. I think this yeah. was a good. This was <laughs> no downsides. This was uh, all positive. Yeah, my um, first show then, I, I just looked up the exact uh, date while while we were waiting to start the podcast, but was in 1999. It was November. I, I had to see because they, they played a couple days, but in New York City, the uh, Hammerstein Ballroom, November mm-hmm. 7th, 1999. And that was shortly after uh, This Desert Life was released. And so I have a couple memories of that. You know, it's funny looking at the set list. I was like, geez, I didn't remember they played that. I do kind of remember them playing that that one. But but the two memories that stand out, one, of course, just the fact that I got to see them live. And again, I, at the time, I probably had five bands that were my co-favorites, uh, but they definitely was obsessed with them. Now, later, of course, they kind of separated themselves. But But being able to see them live, of course, was amazing. I did have a bunch of beers at a bar next door before the show and i say mm-hmm. that because that was kind of the first time i drank before a concert and it ended up not being the last and i want to say there's maybe been even two shows of crows that i didn't uh enjoy as much because i was too drunk to enjoy but uh the the other thing that i'll never oh one thing that was interesting too besides the fact that it was in even though it was in new york city uh there's someone at the bar ahead of time um, some, you know, girl, I said that maybe she was 20 or something. And she, uh, I guess she said something like, Oh, I'm obsessed with, uh, or Omaha is my favorite song because I'm from Nebraska. We all love that song in Nebraska. Or something <laughs> like that. So I thought that was funny that, that the whole state, uh, appreciated that song. But then also, uh, you know, but one thing that stood out to me and it, and I think me and you even talked about this before was that, the I guess I didn't there's part of me that thought particularly a band that is catering to the age of you know what I mean so 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 let's just say the average fan at that time was 25 years old or mm-hmm. you know or 20 or college age and you think of college you know being kind of more obsessive and have more time to listen to music than if you're 60 or whatever so I say that because that was the first time I realized I was like wow a lot of this crowd did not know the songs from Desert Life, even though it was released, I think, just a couple weeks prior. And then I was almost like, how could they be at a Counting Crow show and not know all the new songs from the new? And then, you know, I didn't realize that not everybody was obsessive of me or that thought they had to prepare for it for a concert or whatever. <laughs> so um, and they did, I've definitely and, been that guy, too. I remember not less with the Crows, but with the uh, I remember going to a Strokes concert and uh, right before right after the second record came out and being on the way in the car and being like, we gotta, we gotta prepare, guys. They're gonna play some of these songs. We gotta, we gotta be ready. We gotta know yeah, these in songs. Fact, I'm checking it right now, and this makes sense. It was, re- I, I think, back then, re- albums were released on a Tuesdays, so mm-hmm. it was released on November second. And I kind of remember that we went on a, which was a Tuesday. We went on a road trip. The entire road trip, we listened to the album, and then got to New York. That would be five days later. Right. So on Sunday, right. So we saw them five days after the release of This Desert Life. And even though it's only five days, it's so silly in retrospect. I was like, how could these people not know all of the songs from the album released five days ago? Didn't they spend all weekend listening to it? Well, not only was it just five days, but you're you're in a car just bumping it. You're, yes. Like they're like maybe a, a big fan at that point is maybe on their fourth or fifth listen. You're right. on your like 38th. You've yes. just been like in a loop. 
you're going. You're just like, yeah, we just we've been driving for for three day, five days straight. We've been listening to nothing but this, <laughs> and you're just, yeah, that's you're right. ready to go. Yeah, you're, and, of and course. And, and it's funny. Uh, and, and last thing about that is that I was I'm looking at the set list right now, and I think it tells you something about Crows that seven. I think it's seven of the 19 songs they played were from the new album, right? So so yeah, they played a lot of the classics, right? They played Mr. Jones. They played Murder of One. I'm looking at it now. They played Daylight Savings, but the uh, day, uh, Daylight Fading. Sorry, Daylight Savings. That uh, but they played. Amy hit the atmosphere, which I think I told you that I think they've only played on that tour, played four days. They played Speedway. So, uh, right. They, 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 they were not going to miss the chance to promote uh, their new, their new album. Well, they wanted uh, to play that. And again, they were yes. going to play. I mean, that's, and I actually really like that tour. I think that's when they were doing sort of the half in between version of Mr. Jones, where they were yes. doing yes. Uh, like the sort of rock and roll star intro, but then kind of the more rock and roll version of like of Mr. Jones. So sort of the, the across a wire version, but closer to the original in terms of overall kind of tone and energy. Yeah, no, th- no that, 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 that's right. Yeah. And I never, and, and I know we'll say this in a future episode, but, uh, but, 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 but the, the kind of idiosyncratic or the, the, the things that they do that are a little different, these different versions, somehow the way he sings or, you know, does things a little different than, you know, as he said, we know how to play them now. He says that about a lot of songs and I, of course, a lot of casual fans back in the late 90s, early 2000s that saw them at some show like, oh, I don't really like that. I, I never understood it. And it wasn't one of those that I was defending them just because I like them. I mm. just said like, no, I that's I think this sounds actually a better version. And why you could play the CD if you want the exact one and all that kind and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I will say the most recent album I went uh, the, the concert I went to was in on their european tour that just happened last year and the last one was might have been the best concert i went to in part because i guess it was the only time that i was right up front i I guess officially you call it second row it was standing right i was behind somebody but Mm -hmm. like the best position right basically right in front of adam and i was one person deep and i could have been at the front if i wanted to go a little bit to the right but i might have been like the ninth fan in the in in the show and so just being that close and after being a a fan of them for 30 years was uh yeah amazing and i'll never i'll never forget that what was your white whale oh right yeah so that was at the so in this european show i saw three shows and it's not that it's the number one white whale i mean because i could because sometimes you have to be reasonable about your white whale too sure like like if i've heard somebody say like oh i wish they play einstein on the beat like he said you know he could change his mind he said like 20 years ago i'm never going to play that in concert so don't look for it um i i they haven't played like for example what is it she don't want nobody near or whatever they haven't played that since they released the greatest hits they did play played it for a couple months i think mm. but but i guess it, my recent white whale that i thought was a very small chance but possible was 1492 i never saw it live and in this entire tour the only time they played it and i think the only time they played it in the last i want to say 5 years was at this concert in manchester he just randomly played it hardly anybody around me knew it even if they were pretty Pretty, I don't want to say hardcore, but pretty big fans that knew a lot of B sides or, or or non-singles, but they didn't really know fourteen ninety two or forgot about it. And it, yeah, he did end it by saying like, "Oh, I haven't played that song in a while," and 
now I remember why it kind of hurts my, <laughs> and he goes, it kind of hurts my voice a bit, but, but yeah. It, yeah. So anything else before we get into, well, it is 30, 30, 35. I, I, at first I was going to maybe preview, uh, maybe you don't talk about it too much, but have you had, I know you told me once off podcast, maybe briefly about meeting some of the band members or any, any experience. Sure. I've never actually, so I've never, I've never talked to Adam. I've been basically the outlaw road show and the underwater sunshine festivals. It's interesting. I've, I've, I've been very close to the man many times in like physical proximity, but I've never mm. really shared a conversation with the guy. I have met, I met, I've met Dan at one of those very briefly, just kind of talk with him a, a very little bit. And I met one of my first, I, I met Dave Bryson after one of the Wellmont theater shows in 2008, speaking of sort of white whales, I had the second night. So that's that's one of my. If you haven't listened to the Walmart Theater shows and you have Nugsnet, it, they're on there. And one of my recommendations: it's three nights in a row in 2008, and they didn't repeat a song, with the exception of Long December, which Adam says he just forgot he, they'd played it. Um, and they repeated Rain King, but they played it two different ways. So to me, and and it's Rain King, so I'll I'll never take say no to Rain <laughs> King. Um, but three nights, fifty something, almost sixty songs. Dip, you know. And uh, the the night two of that, I got what was then my white whale, which is Mercury. I'd, I'd always loved that song. It had a lot of meaning to me about you know some relationship stuff. And I'd been like, I'd, I'd love to see them play that. And they they played it very very rarely in that time period. So they busted that out. Although also again, it's the interesting thing with the crows. There those experiences of like you're having this big moment. And I remember the person who I was I was with, who was all again a, a fan of them, was really excited to see the show with me. Adam goes into this alt about sticking a needle in your arm and it feeling like love. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, I'm always going with this. It's not my favorite version of Mercury, but okay, I'm seeing yeah. Mercury. And my friend's like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> this is A, this isn't in the song, and B, what is this? And I'm like, I don't, he's just making stuff up right now. You gotta, you gotta let oh, it happen. That's, not, that's, they're not all gonna be classics, you know? No, that, that's funny. And uh, the next night, though, I remember going, and it was my friend, my friend Sandy, who, uh, it's the first time we met was sort of figuring out how to get back from those shows. Now we've been friends for 15 years now, going to Counting Crows and other concerts together. And, uh, she says, is there anything you want to hear now that you got, like, you got this? And I was like, well, it'd be cool to hear the ghost in you. But to your point, Eric, I was like, I'm, I'm a reasonable person. I don't think I'm ever going to hear them play that. Right. I haven't played that thing in like 15 years or something. Like, it'd be cool to see that. But like, I would just happen to be thinking about the song. It'd be nice if it happened, but there's no way it's ever going to happen. Right, right. And uh, they come the encore. It's uh, it's Halloween or right before Halloween. They come out in costumes. Uh, Adam as the bunny and Dave as Scooby Doo, and they play just the two of them, the ghost in you. And I for, like I'm in the to your, your experience of 1492. I'm losing my mind. Everyone around me is like, "Well, it's okay." That's nice. That I'm, I, I'm literally like jumping. Like Sandy said, she's like, you could see the joy physically jumping out of you. <laughs> like it was all just, I was like, like exploding with excitement. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did that, did that, that song might be on YouTube. I think that, is that on YouTube? That one? It might be. I mean, if they're in costumes, there's not too many where they came out and played it in the costume. Yeah, it's one where they were both in costumes and I want to say it's yeah. that song, but I'll, I'll, I'll check that and confirm. I that think it's, yeah, I think it's, I think it's on there. Cause I did, they've released a bunch of videos from that. Oh, that's so interesting. But anyway, so, so my friend was waiting to go to the bathroom afterwards and I was, you know, waiting for her before we got our ride back. And 
uh, just happened to kind of wander back into the venue and there's Dave Bryson talking to some people. And I was like, uh, I don't, I don't want to bother you, but I, I just want to tell you, man, that was incredible. I mean, it was just one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. It's like the song or the costume. And I was like, the song, <laughs> definitely the song. <laughs> and he was like, thank you, thank you. But yeah, I have again, we haven't well, met them too much, but what maybe, maybe, maybe as part of this thing, we'll have to, uh, uh, Try maybe to get, you know, be able to interview some somewhere. of them Who at knows? some time. Yeah, well, the my way, way would have been. And it is funny, too, because I have a different relationship with them. Sorry, you know, as you get older, right, you change, they change, mm-hmm. you're right? That, as I said, if you have six albums of history, that might be different than one uh, album of history. I, I The first time I, I, I have a v- couple experiences, but none of them, you know, yeah, I guess maybe six little experiences. The one is I actually, I didn't hear them play, but I was there for the Hard Candy release party, which mm. just happened to be in Philadelphia. They played um, the, the the music. I'm forgetting the name of the, the song now for uh, the show for NPR. They played like a little mm. set. A World Cafe. World Cafe. I yes. was not, I did not make it into the World Cafe, but after that, they allowed people to come in and get, I forget if I guess you had to buy the CD there, but you can get the CD signed by all of them. And of course, it's just a line and they quickly and you don't even say anything to them, whatever. But I hung around a bit and some of them later then started walking. It was a Tower Records, I think, and started Mm -hmm. walking around. And, you know, Adam, especially back then, you know, loved perusing CD stores or whatever. I if I remember correctly, I did not bother or talk to him at all because he looked like he didn't really have that many people bothering him, but he he looked like maybe he was in the he he wanted to concentrate on his music. And so there were a couple other walking around. The only two I think I said hi to was Matt uh, Malley at the time and Dave Bryson. Mm. Uh, I think Matt, I talked to a shorter period of time. I think I didn't have any I wasn't sure what to say. Dave, I talked to them actually about Make sure you play all your songs. Like, I, you know, never take anything out of the rotation. I think I said something to him about Miller's. <laughs> I think I said something to him about Miller's Angels. I was like, Miller's Angels, you haven't played that much. Uh, and, you know, and he just kind of laughed. And he's like, oh, we try to play everything. Um, I did. the. I only real interacted. Well, and I did have a group. The other thing that I guess would be, I did do one of the meet and greets with them. Hmm. So I kind of quickly said, but I didn't talk to any of them. I guess the only ones I said is I, I joke with Jim because I kind of stood next to Jim mm-hmm. and I made a funny comment to him. And I think I said how much I love Dave Bryson. And Jim's like, we all love Dave Bryson. <laughs> Before they took my photo. the um, I did meet Emmy out, but that was, I was really drunk then. There, I saw Emmy outside of a show talking to six fans and they were had their thing. And I kind of said hi and I didn't really interrupt, but I didn't have anything to say to him. And I was kind of stumbling mm-hmm. around. I guess that was about it. There was one time that Adam and he, I don't, he would never do this. He was on a college tour and I went and I guess it was after the show. I guess after I'm trying to think that was before or after might have been before, but he was there and there was like 15, I guess, college students around Mm -hmm. him and just asking him (laughs) questions. Mostly they were, I think a couple from the radio station or the newspaper asking questions and a couple of fans. My friend insists to this day, this is about 20 years ago that he was, that Adam might have been either trying to pick up or flirt with maybe one or two of the uh, young women. Uh, I don't know. That was very quick, but I remember I said like one, no, it was after the show because I said thanks for one. I didn't ask him a question, and then I made one. Um, I guess I'll say this now that I made one comment that, and I because I didn't know what else to say. I was almost trying to show that I was a fan and get in, and I think it was just a down. And I think he had just moved to New York, and I and I think I said, 
oh, congrats on the move to like, are you officially New Yorker now? And he looked at me kind of annoyed. He's like, not officially anything, <laughs> which is funny because he was there kind of doing a Q&A, but I guess, you know, that wasn't the uh, the best question. So um, I guess that's my experience meet, uh, meeting the band for the most part. So very little. But as you said, it would be great uh, in the future to talk to one or um, or all of them at, at, at some point. So speaking of the future, I guess I uh, we've been talking for 45 minutes. So I guess for the most of the, let's say, last 15 minutes. We just want to preview the ideas and the future episodes that mm-hmm. we're going to have. And I, and I do want to say, and I'll probably say this every episode, beside, despite the fact that we are going to be, I guess, the official co-hosts of the show, we're always looking for, um, I guess I want to say, regular other co-hosts that want to come on maybe every you know five episodes or come on when we talk about their specialty. Maybe it's bootlegs. There's a lot of bootleg experts out there. I am not one of those. Uh, so we'd love to hear from you about that. If you want to be on maybe even as a one-time fan just to talk about your experience or love with the Crows, we would love to have that too. So um, we'll put the email on there. We Our, our, our email is... Sullivan Street PC, so Sullivan Street Street written out PC for podcast at protonmail.com. And we will get your email and respond to that, particularly any kind of, of course, thoughts, advice, suggestions, feedback. And if you want to be uh, a guest, either maybe regular or one time, we'd love to hear from you there too. So for future plans, uh, of course, like uh, Chris kicked off in the show saying, hey, one thing is that if there's any news about the band, we will kick off any episode. And so so um, even though now we're far in, I'll just let you talk about, of course, the, I guess, quote unquote, the big news is that they just finished their, I guess it's Australian and South African shows, mm-hmm. taking a little break and then kick off like you made a point, which I didn't catch right away, that this is one of their probably longest tours in a long time. Yeah, it's a full, a full three months. They're going out with a dashboard confessional. Not... Not a band I've spent a ton of time with, but I'm kind of excited. One of the things about seeing a band a lot of times that you love is that if they're going on tour with other bands, you end up watching that band several nights in a row. Mm. And God, there are a few bands that I've seen with the Crows that I'm I'm good on at this point. I'm good. I didn't, you know, it was it was so I was when they were announcing that I heard there were rumors that there was going to be kind of a. Uh, a, a a bigger kind of like shed tour, which would generally involve multiple larger bands. Right. I was just hoping I was mainly for me, as much as I joke about, you know, I mentioned earlier that I was, I'd bought throwing copper. I, I didn't need, I don't need to see live ever again. I've seen them a couple times with the crows. I'm good. It was a nice experience. I'm, I'm good. Right, so right. I'm, it's glad I'm glad to see um them out with a band that I haven't seen before in full. I've seen, Interestingly, I've seen Chris Caraba. I saw him with the Crows. He showed up once at the town hall thing, um, did a couple of songs. And I've also seen his band Twin Forks once or twice with, okay, uh, actually with Augustana mm. or slash Dan Leis, that who's, of, of course, I discovered through the Crows. And we'll talk about some of those bands down yeah. the line. But so I'm excited to see them. Um, but yeah, they're, they're out there for a while. So if they're not coming to a town near you, <laughs> they probably don't like you. I have, to, I hate to break this to you, but they probably, <laughs> They probably aggressively don't like your town. You, you guys did something somewhere down the line, and because they're really they're hitting like everywhere. So yeah, I'm, no, I that, think I'm going to go see them. I think I'm going to go see them at Jones Beach again. I think that's the plan. Is uh, back to okay. where it all began, and 
see them on on the store. How about you? Do you think you're gonna? Yeah, we're 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 yeah, we're both I guess originally quote unquote northeasterners. I'm originally from Philadelphia, and you're living in the New York metro. I am now in Southern California, and I've been here for about a decade now. I will see them twice on this show. I mean, part of it too, which I guess their accountants and managers. You know, I hate the term like, you know, like nostalgia shows and stuff like that. And of course, there's even a joke that when a band becomes a nostalgia tour, they can charge more money because at that point, <laughs> the audience has more money and they've already established their their fan base. And that's, you know, that's where they generate a lot of their income from. But but the but along those lines, being such a big crow's head, I am a, a obsessive person, if you will, that. From now on, unless, you know, just the circumstances don't allow it, you know, I don't know how much longer they're going to tour for. I don't know. It could be a long time. Could not be. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to try to see them at least once every tour, you know, now. So I am going to see them at the uh, Highland Show at the the Yamava Theater that is uh, about an hour and a half east of L.A. and uh, near, not too far from where I live. And then I will be seeing them at the YouTube Theater in Los Angeles. I've never been there. So if any uh, listeners of the podcast are heading there, you can email me. We can meet up ahead of time or during the show. That'd be fantastic. I might try to make it to the San Diego show. That That's the, 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 a bit of a question mark, particularly, I think, because the main tickets went to people that are, quote unquote, members of mm. that park. But I know there's some on the second hand. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. But yes, we'll, yeah. any news about the tours and new albums, of course, or anything at all, we'll talk about. Obviously, any podcast that focuses on a band, one thing we're going to do, and currently we plan to have the next uh, podcast uh, episode to kick off this, is that we will review all of their albums one by one. All of the main albums will be our first focus, uh, but we'll also be looking at the live albums, looking at yeah, all their other songs. Um, obviously, concerts are one reason why people... Uh, maybe the hardcore crows heads have become obsessed with the crows or have been in the past. So there's the, uh, the official releases where they released entire concerts. Then there are some available on YouTube, et cetera. Like you said, there's even, they had that reissue of re-recording the whole August live. Mm -hmm. And of course the, the bootleg shows, if you will, that, uh, you know, the Crows and Adam said this a lot of times in his uh, interviews, there's not, uh, well, maybe there is, but, but they basically recorded every show ever. Mm -hmm. Some, uh, I think there's a couple they haven't been able to release for various reasons. Uh, so we'll get in. We've talked about our first and most recent concert details and memories, but we'd love to also hear yours. We also have a lot in between. Chris Miggs have, has gone to many more shows uh, than me, even though I maybe quote unquote started before you. <laughs> I, I forget what my list is. I think it's around 20 because I said there was a lot of times that I've missed. And you said you believe you're above the 50 mark. I know I'm in, I'm somewhere in the 50s. I have to find the list and see. I know I, I crossed over 50 at some point, and I'm I'm still somewhere in that in that middle of the 50s. But yeah, and if you're if you are a bootleg person and you're listening to this and you don't have a big collection or haven't gotten deep and you want to get further, my highest recommendation is to go to Crow's Town and sign up and uh, become a part of the um the community there that, that we've built a, a pretty as as big a library. I think as exists of Counting Crows recordings that are publicly available. I'm sure there are some there. I'm, I'm positive. There are many that exist that we don't, <laughs> that do not exist out there in the world right now. But if, 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 uh, if it's out there, we've, I think we've found it. 
and I used to love again. We talk. We'll talk about our journeys. I mean, I used to love uh, message boards. I mean, yes. I, Reddit's good. Facebook it works, but I loved uh, you know the 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 message board at Crow's Town. Um, Boot City was a great one. I found so oh. much great stuff there. Uh, the Cloud Cuckoo Land. The um, yes, that was the, the official one, right? I right, actually the official had, fan club message yes. board. Right. I actually had, I think, the Cloud Cuckoo Land either T-shirt or I did join that 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 official uh, fan club when it first started. Yeah, I have no idea where my sticker. T-shirt is, and it bums me out. I love that T-shirt. <laughs> I think yeah, mine. My, my first one, and I will also point out. I will, I will shout out Hummingbird's Nest. I don't know if the person who ever ran that has not been around in a long time, but that's one of the first places I started to find bootlegs and like going on webs. You know, they had whole shows, and they would post them, and I would. It would take me six hours to download one because I had very slow internet, and MP3s were yep. even at the time to download four megs of an MP3 was was difficult. But that's a place where I found so much, and again, it really brought me in so we'll talk again well we've got so much time and so much to talk about yeah thank you for the segue because that was actually one of the future episodes not just one episode but future topics that i wanted to mention which is and that's where i'd like to hear from the community more Mm. uh because even though i was i was i guess i was mostly a lurker on most canon crows fans communities throughout the Mm. time people would not know me but there is an interesting history and i've even seen some people try to talk about it on reddit um, as I said, I always went to, what was it? Anabegins.com. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think people know who that is. And I guess she was some, sometimes involved in the community. I'd love to interview her. And I know that the, the, the person, uh, the woman who was in charge of that site also got hired by Adam and company to run the official message board. And of course, by the way, there's even, I guess Adam, if I remember correctly, even made national news for kind of chastising some of the fans on his own <laughs> message boards. So even that like is funny. It's part of the history. And as you said, please go to Crow's Town. I, I we're looking to get a couple people from there uh, on our yeah. uh, on the podcast. And uh, as you said, I know some of the Facebook groups because when I went to the I, I mentioned you before when I went to the Birmingham UK tour uh, about. I guess it was only about five, but I saw hmm. uh, people kind of congregate after the show and they weren't sitting, uh, standing near each other during the show, but they obviously knew each other mm-hmm. and they wanted to talk about stuff. Well, guess what? Those are the obsession, obsessive fans uh, who knew each other from uh, the Facebook group, including uh, a gentleman named Dan, uh, who lives around there, who I'll hopefully get on at some point. Yeah. The and, and, and this, I guess, goes without mentioning, but but I will say that not only are we going to talk about, you know, the songs when we review the uh, albums and we want to compare some of the songs to their alts, of mm-hmm. course, like you just hit it across the wire, but we, we could do a, a show and, and this is almost, remi- I got reminded of this when I'm seeing the, uh, they're having like the quote unquote March madness battle of the songs on Reddit right now. Oh. Uh, like they have like a little tournament they're doing like, and they're trying to, and of course the earlier stuff is winning, but they're, they do have, including like ghost in you, they have some of the, uh, unreleased or quote unquote B sides uh, in the competition as well. I mean, we we could do a whole show on the. I guess I want to say the official songs that were not on an album songs, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like <laughs> like 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 the song from Rounders, like Ghost in You. Yeah, so um, we'll, we'll have that, and of course, there's the unreleased songs and even some of those demo tapes that that some of those got included. For example, on the August three issue, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So, uh, and of course, I, I think even Adam talked about this on his own podcast, but, but, but you could even do a show on Adam related songs, one songs that he either helped write or mm-hmm. he guessed it on. Uh, yeah. And I know some of them, I don't know all of them. And then and you could talk about other, any other themes you had. I know some examples we talked about were of course, some theme uh, pods on uh, certain lyric, uh, you know, focusing on the songs that have the best lyrics or some of mm-hmm. the most memorable lines that only Adam could do. Yeah. And ones that maybe remind you of you or your friends, your relationships and families, uh, some that maybe involve, you know, partying, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, we could, and there's so, there's so much to unpack. We can yeah. talk about his his record labels, which mm-hmm. he sometimes says he doesn't like talking about. He kind of makes fun of that. <laughs> he said, "Oh, they didn't go as well." But I actually think there's a bit of success story in that, even yeah. if some of those album uh, record labels aren't uh, around. And as we a said, bands last... they've taken on tour, you know, yes, those, those oh, two. of course, of course. And, and and Tyrannosaurus Records is a to me, it's always going to be a success, just because. My wife's favorite T-shirt is the t- Tyrannosaurus Records records uh, shirt. Where, she stole where, from yeah, me. where it's like it's it's a T-Rex uh, out of a out of a, a di- of, of a vinyl, DJing. right? T- yeah, T-Rex. Oh, DJ with the DJing, vinyl, DJing. And my wife stole that from me eleven years ago. And oh, that's fun. Still has, still it, has so. it. So that's that's <laughs> it's a success. If if just for that, it was a cool T-shirt. Yeah, no, it's a it's still a cool T-shirt. I just don't get to wear it anymore. But yeah, I also think, you know, I actually was, as, as we were talking, I, I really think at some point as we get deeper, it'd be fun to go back and listen to some of the shows that we went to mm. and talk about some of those experiences yes. but with also the benefit of hindsight and audio, right? Do you remember it that way? Because there are certain things where you're like, I remember it like this and you go, it actually didn't sound that way. It's our brains, you know, our memories and, and these things coming together. And, and, and as you stories, say, again, that's part of the joy that the journey is in those shows, right? Yeah, and 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 that they might have played songs that you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't appreciate that, or I was uh, maybe had a few drinks and didn't. And as I said, for just a random example, that from that 1999 show, they played Amy hit the atmosphere, and um, yeah, I was like, oh, again, the album was only out for five days, and I said, oh, I like that song because that did catch my uh, ear in the beginning. And guess what? I think after that tour, they basically have not played that song since. So I was like, geez, if I knew that at the time, I really, really would have paid attention. I would have savored <laughs> it. Yeah, no, it's hard. It even more. And it's, it's mood. I mean, I think there's there's some shows that I think I could look back at and I go, I don't know if that was as moving for like anyone else in the crowd. But just the way my mind was working at the time, maybe where I was standing just and my, the way the music hit me that night was different than it might have been for anyone else. Everyone else might have gone, that was a good show. That was, and, and the band might say that was just a normal show. But I was like, no, no, that night was, you know, important for me. So it'd be interesting to go back and find some of those and we'll, uh, and we'll dive in. But there's so much, again, there's so much to dive into. As you said, I, I could talk about, someone asked me again, why are you doing Counting Crows podcast? I was like, well, I could, I got a lot of things to say about Counting Crows. So may as well yeah, say them too. Right. I have 30 years of pen up. Uh, right. And it's not enough to that. I have voiced about it to others, including my friends. I, I guess, yeah, I have an unlimited. Yeah. I, 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 I used to joke. It's kind of like my angst, no matter how much I get out, I still <laughs> have a lot inside that could also use another release or whatever. Mm. So no, no, th- that's great. I, th- I think we've, Right. I, th- I think we did a, a great introduction and a little preview. And again, if any of those topics, if you think that you either have something to say or you're a quote unquote expert or there is even a certain album that you're like, hey, when you review 
desert life. Please, you know, can I be one of the people that talks about my favorite songs there? Sure. Again, send us an email at Sullivan Street PC at protonmail.com. And I'll also put the email in the uh, episode description. Uh, any other, we've reached almost the hour mark exactly. Did you have any uh, last wrap-ups? Our current plan is to do uh, August and everything after, which would likely be a two-part episode uh, next. Uh, we, we might save it for the third one, but but that's coming up. Anything else to mention at all? I think that's it. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. This is great. I hope this kicks off a, uh, as I said, our regular podcast, which we hope to release about every three to four weeks. And uh, until next time, yeah, we will be hanging out uh, at Sullivan Street yeah. uh, waiting for you. Thanks so Take much. Take the way home that leads back to until next time. Thank you. Oh, oh.